0: thank you jesus yes lord only you can steal my soul test again this morning lord it is my desire great desire to be in your presence once again thank you for the grace to come into your presence your beautiful presence this morning thank you for the privilege to worship the one who is the covenant keeping god the privilege to worship the one who is almighty yes lord you are almighty and none can compare to you none can measure beside you lord you created not just the heavens and the earth you created everything in them. You created the entire universe. You are almighty, O God. Be glorified forevermore in the precious name of Jesus. We worship you this morning just for who you are. You are faithful, O God. You are love itself You pour out your love daily. You shower it upon us. Once again, we see it this morning as we all wake up to come into your presence. Be glorified, O God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, as we spend this time in your presence to read your word, Lord, we ask for wisdom. We ask for understanding. We ask, Lord, that you will cause us to learn in your presence today. And let your name be glorified in our lives once again. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Alright, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Morphy Eienike. We continue reading our Bibles. We give ourselves a challenge to read through the entire New Testament in the last three months we have of the year and uh, yes we are making good progress currently we are on first corinthians chapter 4 yesterday we stopped on on verse 17 we'll complete first corinthians chapter 4 this morning and then uh get to chapter 8 okay Nice challenge, right? So thank you to everyone joining in wherever you are listening to me this morning, this afternoon, this evening. God bless you as you continue to test for the word. Alright, verse 18 says, Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again. Remember I said this was, in a sense, this was at this point pause. Post- Third contact, the first the book we call First Corinthians. First Corinthians is Paul's third contact with these people. The first is his missionary journey, and and then he had sent one to them. He had actually written one letter to them, which they wrote back. Okay, so very important. They wrote back and then uh, of course there was somebody who came from the house of uh, of Chloe okay to um, to give a report on this church and now paul is writing to them again he says you have become arrogant thinking i would not visit you again but i will come and soon if the lord lets me and then i will find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have god's power (laughs) for the kingdom of god is not just a lot of talk it is living by god's power the kingdom of god is living by god's power which do you choose should i come with a rod to punish you or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? Okay, so many people felt that Paul was, tend to be more mighty in, in his writing, better than um, he was an orator or a speaker. His writings were more, you can see the way his writing. Look at the Romans, the way he wrote to them and laid everything down. Alright, so let's see 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul condemns spiritual pride. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. So he received the report, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that the man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man, this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. Hmm? In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit and you will. And so will the power of our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Okay, so the problem here was the boasting, the openly living in sin uh, as if there was no care in the world. That was why Paul was saying, and this man over to Satan. Okay? So, not that Paul is saying this is how to treat or this is the response when any believer sins. Verse 6. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the old batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast which is what you really are christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed for us did you hear that paul himself called jesus called christ our passover lamb and he has been sacrificed for us so let us celebrate the festival Not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, you see that now? So 1 Corinthians was not the first time Paul wrote to them. He says, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sins. So this is helping you understand why Paul... The tone with which Paul is speaking, he had written to them before. So, of course, setting up the church and then written to them and eventually sent somebody and this thing had continued. That was why he was saying, I'm dispersing over to the devil. Okay. This thing is like little yeast that will eventually move throughout the door nine let's take nine again when i wrote to you before i told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sins so it's not talking about people who just commit sin that you should not associate with them no he says but i wasn't talking about unbelievers willing who indulge in in sexual sins or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols you would have to leave this world to avoid people like that I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sins or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with with such people. Okay? So there are people who are thinking this and misunderstood what Paul is saying. You have to understand the context. That he came, set up this church, and then obviously had some news about them, wrote to them. They wrote back to him. He sent somebody to them. The person likely came back and gave him the report, okay, these guys are not changing. Or this particular person in their church has continued to do this thing and is affecting other people. That is the tone with which Paul is writing and addressing Okay, uh, this situation. You can apply this and say to anybody who is greedy or is abusive that Paul is saying that we should not associate with those kind of believers. That's not what Paul is saying. He says, or oh, cheat people, don't even eat with such people. That's not what Paul is saying. Twelve, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning okay those in the church who are sinning not just commit sin no who are habitually living in sin god will judge those on the outside but as the scripture says you must remove you must remove the evil person from among you Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 7. Alright, so that ends 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, Let's go on to chapter 6, avoiding lawsuits with Christians. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church again whatever you are looking at you must look at it from the prism the context with which paul is addressing this issue that it is not that he has addressed is addressing it one off it is something that he likely met doing when he was setting the church the church He had likely written to, and then this person is sent to, was not able to resolve some of this matter. Okay, so they were taking themselves to, you know, to court, you know, right, left, and center. Paul says, why do you go to outside judges, judges who are not respected by the church? So the question is, is it okay to go to outside judges if they both respect the judge? The answer will be yes. I am saying this to your shame. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. You see that? Unbelievers, that's the question. That is the problem. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourself be cheated? Instead, you yourself... Are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers? Don't you, you in (laughs) other words, they would—they are the one that would do the wrong, and then they will run to court, and then prolong the matter in court until the believers is frustrated and leave. Now it says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sins or worship idols or commit adultery or a male prostitute or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people none of these will inherit the kingdom of God again, context understand the context some of you were once like that but you were cleansed you were made holy you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Okay, so always remember that context. Avoiding sexual sins from verse 12. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do everything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach, and the stomach for food. This is true. Though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that your but you can't say that your bodies were made for sexual immorality. Definitely not. So there were people who were saying that look, maybe we have liberty. Isn't are you not the one preaching the message of grace? That works do not matter. That whatever we do with our bodies, there is no problem. Paul says, you can't say. That our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power. Just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? Eh? Your bodies, eh, they are actually part of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ... And join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says the two are united into one. The two are united into one. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Okay, So, if you are joined with, to the Lord already, it should be an abomination to, to find it convenient to join yourself to someone that intimately. That's what Paul is essentially saying. So, Paul says from 18, run from sexual sins. No other sin so carefully affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Essentially, it comes down to that. You do not belong to yourself. You might claim however you want to claim, but you do not belong to yourself. You belong to the Lord, to the Lord himself. The Lord himself, who will ask each one of us one day to stand before him and give an account. You do not belong to yourself. 20. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. God bought each one of us with a high price, and each one of us must honor God with our bodies. Alright, let's move on to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Remember I said... We want to be able to read to it today, instruction on marriage. And Paul's writing on marriage was so misunderstood because now you understand context. It is often time because of what was going on in the church Paul was addressing that he wrote to them the way he wrote. He wasn't saying that that becomes a standard for every single, every single Christian. Or that 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 is the word of God. Let's look at instruction on marriage. Now regarding the question you asked in your letter. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual, sexual relations. So obviously they wrote to him and they had questions. It is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. And each woman should have her own husband balance. So he's talking to both men and to both women. Whether this struggle is with you, the man, then get married. If this struggle is with you, the woman, then get married. Three, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over our body. Did you see that? The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority or gives authority over his body to his wife. The giving of the authority is mutual. It is both way. It is not that the man is the one who has the authority. The giving away of that of their bodies is mutual. That's why it is still, it is marriage. It says, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Verse 6, I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single. Remember, he puts in a caveat there, a caveat there. In other words, I am saying this, this is my personal uh explanation of this. He says, I say this as a concession, a concession, not a command. But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say, in other words, Paul had his own own gift, Paul stayed single throughout. Eh? Not everyone has that gift. (laughs) So he says, yet each person has a special gift from God. Of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married, and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried, just as as I am. And you need to understand context. They were starting that Jesus was coming back in their time, so they felt Paul felt it was better to stay unmarried, okay? Because then you could be able to focus better and more on Jesus. Eh? So I say to those who aren't married. Verse 8, and to to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with loss. 10, for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. In other words, Paul is telling us that there are things I am saying that they are coming from me but you can trust them because i have the wisdom of god and there are things where paul is telling you i am directly quoting the word of god remember he's speaking by inspiration okay but of those but for those who are married i have a command that comes not from me but from the lord a wife this is from the lord though, and you can check this out Matthew chapter 5 verse 32 Jesus talks re- severally about this um, chapter 19 verse 9 uh, Mark chapter 10 verse 11 to 12 Luke Luke chapter 16 18 a wife must not leave her husband God does not God hates divorce okay so it's not something that God likes a wife must not leave her husband but if she does leave her leave him Uh, Let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. So you can repeat repeat the same thing, right? But if he does leave her, let him remain single or else be reconciled to her. It applies both ways. So not that she's the only one. 12. Now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. Eh? He became born again. She is an unbeliever. He must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage. And the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy. But now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on living, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. For God has called you to live in peace. Don't you, wife, realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? 17. Each each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you. Again, context. They were certain that Jesus was coming back in their time. So each one of you, in whatever situation God has placed you, you should continue to live in it. In the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the church, or, all the churches. For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it, and the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now. And it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep. God's command. Again, context. So, this is circumcision as identifying and following the Jewish law. Okay? Circumcision in our own time is much, much different. It is for hygiene. It is for hygiene that we circumcise today. Okay? So, you can't say, okay, in whatever situation a believer becomes born again, then they should not seek to 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 change if they they need to. But he's saying it in in the context of you trying to keep the law. 20. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in His mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. Because of the present crisis, the present crisis that the church was going through because of the present crisis that it was certain jesus was coming back in their time because of the present crisis i think it is best to remain as you were or as you are if you have a wife do not seek to end the marriage if you do not have a wife uh, do not seek to get married and if you do get married it is not a sin and if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I'm trying to spare you those troubles. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. You see that? That's the context. It is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and only in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restriction on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. That's the context. Do whatever it is, will whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as much distraction as possible. But if a man thinks that he is treating his fiancée improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not, not to marry, and there is no urgency and he can control his passion. He does well not to marry. So the person who marries his fiancée does well. And the person who doesn't marry does even better. A wife is not bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes. But only if he loves the Lord. You know, that if he's a, he's a believer. But in my opinion... In my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. And I think, I am giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this again. Please understand context. All right, let's read our final chapter today: First Corinthians chapter eight. Food, offer sacrifice to idols. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue about uh, wild knowledge makes us feel important it is love that strengthens the church it is love that strengthens the church anyone who claims to know all the answers all the answers doesn't really know very much anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much but the person who loves god is the one whom god recognizes verse 4 so what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and there is and that there is only one god. And uh, there may be so-called gods, but in both in heaven and on earth, and some some people actually worship many gods and many lords. Okay? There were many lords worship, many gods worship. Zeus, you know, Athena, Hermes, Aedes. Um, what's this name? Gaia, yes, Gaia, the God of the earth. So many gods were worshipped. Okay, so he said, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, for Christians, there is only one God, the Father. But for us, verse 6: there is there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created. And for whom we live, and there is one Lord Jesus Christ to whom all things were created, and through whom we live. Okay, notice the same thing for whom we live, and through whom we live, for whom we live, for God the Father, and through whom we live, for Christ. Seven, however, not all believers know this some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real so when they eat food that has been offered to idols they think of it as the worship of real gods and their weak consciences are violated it's true that we can't win god's approval by what we eat we don't lose anything if we don't eat it and we don't gain anything if we do but you must be careful So that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an an idol, wouldn't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? 11. So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin, and when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. It's as simple as that. 13. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Not because there's anything wrong with it. Not because it is sin. But because so that that believer will not stumble. All right, so that concludes First Corinthians chapter eight. We learned so much today, but the the center one, okay, the cross one, has to be the way Paul addresses marriage in the Corinthian church, and you have to you have to be able to distinguish it. Always remember context, the context of of the situation in which he is writing. The period in which he is writing. This was a period when the church was being persecuted. And it made more sense okay, to be running around as a single than be running around with a family or with a pregnant woman. It made more sense. It, it influenced some of the way Paul gave his advice. And there was nothing, nothing wrong about it. Anyone who listened to him, them, would have felt it made it made sense. Okay? So, very important. Paul is not saying that we shouldn't marry no. Paul is not saying that everybody should remain like him, no. But in whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Alright, so as we go today, let's just say, Father, thank you once again. Thank you for giving us, Jesus. Thank you for the lessons we have learned today. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We ask, Lord, help us to stand complete in your word, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, help us to be strong in our faith. in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you this morning. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Alright, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day. See you tomorrow.